From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. Fishing wrapped up yesterday as the 76th Golden North Salmon Derby came to a close. According to the unofficial results, a 22.1 king caught at Ocknion Beathers tops the board. Steve Melke's 20.7 pounder from Amalga follows in second. That was a king. And an 18.3 pound king, also from Amalga, and caught by Greg Lockwood, lands in third place. The youth winner was Oliver Cole Erdurga, with a 14.7 pound king. First place in the team competition was Twin 2, with 199.8 pounds. In second place was the team by a landslide, with 162 pounds. The Juno Economic Development Council's Executive Director Brian Hull spoke to the status of housing in Juno while a guest on Action Line. Hull said the council has been researching housing stock as part of the ongoing housing crisis in Juno. We've built 1,400 plus units in the last 10 years and our population hasn't really changed. Where have all those units gone? One, one thing that we need to remember is that our, our adult population in that same time has grown a lot. So while the population has stayed the same, uh, our elder population has grown and our, and our population over 25 has grown by about 1,500. So we need to more than it was 10 years ago. Hull said this is the main challenge. Part of our challenge is that we just have more households, more adults in Juneau that need housing. So as we build housing, it isn't just the short-term rentals that are putting pressure on our housing stock, but it's also just the number of of folks that um, need a home. Juneau Economic Development Council Executive Director Brian Holst commenting on Action Line. Looking at who, where, and for how long newcomers stay in Alaska was the topic of an article in the August edition of Alaska Economic Trends. Department of Labor demographer David Howell wrote the article titled, Movers Aren't Staying as Long. He spoke to the article while a guest on Action Line. It's no surprise to anyone that, you know, Alaska attracts a lot of young people, um, generally people in their 20s and 30s coming to the state, and then overwhelmingly, well, not overwhelmingly, not so much as in the old days, but about 53 to 55 percent are male, so a notable difference between male and female. Mm. And what was the findings for women? Uh, well, women surprisingly actually stay longer in the state than men. I was quite surprised to see that. Um, I can't really say why, but it's definitely a, a noticeable difference between the length of stay. Howell said a majority of movers to the state typically stay for about five years. It's it's changed over time, uh, but generally, you know, the vast majority, the majority stay over five years, but around 50% stay 10 years or less. And then when you get up to 15 years, uh, for people moving in the 90s, around 40% were staying 15 years. This has declined down closer to 30% at this time, that stay uh, 15 years. Howell explained that those who turn 18 in Alaska tend to stay longer. We often think about people leaving the state when they turn 18, but realistically, people turning 18 in the state are much more likely to stay than people who move here 18 years or older. Um, about 50% of people turning 18 in the state actually stay 15 years, and that's compared to about a little over 30% for someone who moves here. He provided this outlook for movers to the state. It's tough to say. I mean, we've, we've gone through gone through this period where we're experiencing negative net migration. 
but people are still coming and staying. I mean, there's still, you know, the, the percentage of people staying 15 or more years has stayed the most steady. So there will continue to be people that come and set down roots in Alaska, but we might continue to see this high turnover that uh, we've seen in recent years. Howell said his takeaway from the data is that those of working age years are not staying in the state. I think the most surprising thing to me was, you know, the declines in that that prime working age group that they're just not staying as long. You know, what is driving these people to move out of the state versus, you know, remaining in the state as they as long as they had in the past? Alaska Department of Labor demographer David Howell. Mallory Nash talked with Dano on Capital Chat about the University of Alaska Southeast's annual campus kickoff coming up. The kickoff is on September 2nd. Nash went on to say how vendors can sign up for the event. The campus kickoff will be Friday, September 2nd from 3 to 5. You can go onto our website at uas.alaska.edu and search for campus kickoff or you can give me an email at mlnnash2 at alaska.edu. Nash elaborated on what the kickoff will include for students. Students can come and and participate at their own choice. That's the beauty of this event, that they don't have to sign up for it. They can just come, enjoy, and spend as much time as they want. But we're going to try to make it as fun as possible with live music, cotton candy, popcorn. All that stuff is going to be free to the students and also available to the community members as well. And then we'll have some food on hand for people to purchase as well. And explained why the community should attend. So this is the perfect opportunity for people to welcome students back to campus. We're looking to invite different vendors around town to come and host a booth and hopefully um, give out some sweet swag and just welcome students back to campus and why Juno is such a great place to live. It's going to be Friday, September 2nd from 3 to 5. Reflecting on the pandemic impact to passenger and air cargo operations and the air industry's current struggles was taken up in the August edition of Alaska Economic Trends. Trends is prepared by the Alaska Department of Labor, and this topic was written about by economist Gunnar Schultz. Schultz explained while on Action Line that during the pandemic, industries were hit hard and lost workers slowed down activity. However, air cargo ramped up. Some of the reasons for this was that people were doing a lot more of their shopping online, trying to limit their exposure to others. Um, Air cargo also played a really big role in transporting PPE and vaccines throughout the world. so at the time when most things were ramping down, demand for air cargo was strong and air cargo was booming during the time. And during the time of high air cargo traffic, he said Alaska was impacted since the Anchorage airport is a transportation link to other regions. During the pandemic, it was the fourth largest or it was the first busiest cargo airport in the world. Um, and One reason for that is it it serves as a major link between Asia and North American markets. Mm -hmm. Um, And one unique thing about Anchorage, so typically Alaska sort of out of the way. In this case, Alaska is really on the way in that it links Asia and North America and it allows air cargo to stop over in Anchorage to refuel. And that allows these aircrafts to carry less fuel and more cargo and really maximize their revenue. Schultz said that, like air cargo volume, air freight workers and wages posted back-to-back years of wage growth, increasing even more in 2021 than in 2020. He was asked that since air traffic has returned, has the workers? I think air air traffic returned for the most part, so it still hasn't returned to pre-pandemic levels, but oh. it did it did have a really strong rebound relative to workers. Um, you know, recovering more than half of the passengers lost 
but recovering less than half of the workers lost during the pandemic. Um, I think air transportation finds, you know, they find themselves in, I guess, air travel specifically finds themselves in a position where they're in line with lots of other industries that are trying to attract back workers that they lost during the pandemic. State labor economist Gunnar Schultz commenting on Action Line. Voters in Huna will not be asked to decide on a change in the form of government. The Huna City Council voted 4-3 to three last week on an ordinance that would have sent a question on changing the municipality's form of government to the voters. The council was evenly split with members Stan Savland, Sean McConnell, and Dwayne Jack Sr. voting no. Mayor Gerald Byers cast the tie-breaking vote against the ordinance. The ordinance would have asked voters whether or not to adopt a managerial form of government. Huna currently has a strong mayor form of government, with buyers presiding over city business. Council member Bill Miller voted in favor of the ordinance, but said the city should focus on a borough formation rather than a change in the form of government at this point. Resident Gordon Greenwald addressed the issue during public comment, saying, I was here when we had formerly a strong mayor, and people who were upset with the mayor and that system, so they petitioned and got a strong managerial form. Um, it cost the city big bucks to get a person. It cost them big bucks, bigger bucks, to buy them out because they found out that it didn't work. They didn't like that person. Um, so my feeling about the issue is if we don't like the strong mayor, why not? What's the problem? Let's address the problem rather than kick the problem down the road and hope somebody else solves it. Councilmember Amelia Wilson weighed in, saying the question should go to voters. Councilmember Brian Lackey added that being a mayor is sometimes a popularity contest. If you went with the manager, it's successful. And there are ways that um, the, the strong mayor is successful. But... Then I look at what Amelia said, that when you go with the mayor, the mayor is a popularity contest. If you got a great guy, let you take your boat out, his boat out on the weekend, brings you fish or something. Hey, he's a swell guy. Let's make him mayor. May not be qualified for it, um, but at least if you went with the manager, you have six chosen people on the city council to make sure that we get the right person. Ultimately, the vote was four to three. Catholic Community Services' Aaron Youngstrom spoke on Capital Chat about their services. So Catholic Community Service is made of three divisions. Three we divisions. have hospice and home care. We have Southeast Senior Services, and then we have the Safe Child Advocacy Center. And between those three divisions, we have about 27 different programs. Youngstrom added that their services expand beyond Juno. She mentioned three ways to help one being volunteering for Meals on Wheels. We need drivers, and we have a number of different routes available for Meals on Wheels drivers. If you want to stay just in the valley, um, that's totally doable. Our, the timing is from 11 to 1 on average, or from, yeah, from 11 to 1. Some routes take an hour, but some routes take an hour and a half. We can work with you, whether it's once a week to once a month. Uh, give us an email at volunteer at ccsak.org or go to our website, ccsak.org.
org, and then on the homepage at the top it says join us and there's a volunteer button underneath that. Second, there are positions available to apply for. And third, ways to donate. So if you are interested in donating, you can go to our website, ccsak.org, and there's a big donate button right at front. And we really, truly appreciate the support from our longtime donors, but really anyone that is maybe just hearing about the work that we're doing, feel free to donate. Any amount helps, really, truly. We, and we really appreciate it. Never miss a story or a newscast at keinyradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North... This is Kevin Allen.